Happy Friday, everybody. Today on the Locked On NHL podcast, we have the latest news from around the league, including the possible trading of a Norris Trophy-winning defenseman. We have our bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight with Erica Ayala, and buyout season is here, who may be bought out by their team. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Friday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. I am Gil Martin. You can find me on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. I am joined every Friday by Rachel Donner. You can find her on Twitter at RMiriam and Happy Friday, Rachel. Happy Friday. It's the real off season now. Uh, so there's a lot happening in the next few weeks. It, it should be pretty exciting with many changes happening around. Yeah, we, I mean, we've already seen the coaching carousel move around a little bit. Uh, nice to see some more promotions this offseason as opposed to just rehiring and recycling the same coaches, although there's a little bit of that. And uh, we're coming up to buyout period and and trades and free agency and the draft. So, yeah, it's the off season, but it's still the busy season for the National Hockey League. Absolutely, I think that, you know there's a lot of teams chomping at the bit to get going with things, and uh, you know let let the Golden Knights bask in their glory, and the rest of us will get to work, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that that does sound about right. Interesting now, uh, reports coming out of San Jose that uh, the Sharks are looking to deal the likely Norris Trophy winner, Eric Carlson, and it looks like uh, Carlson's agent and the Sharks are sort of on the same page when it comes to figuring out a way to make a trade. Yeah, of course, the big sticking point here is the $11.5 million cap hit that he has over the next Four years, and I, I think a team would have to be really like on the cusp of making it a, a very strong playoff run in order to take something like that on. There's going to have to be some salary retention involved, especially I would say you know the Sharks are early in a rebuild. Um, I wouldn't say they're at the beginning, but I would say in year two ish of a rebuild. Um, and at the same time, Carlson also has a full no movement clause in his contract. So he's going to have some say as well. So it'll make it a complicated process, but I still think it's doable in the right circumstance. It is. And I, I know there was some talks between the Sharks and the Edmonton Oilers before the trade deadline that did not work out. How could the Oilers fit this cap hit uh, in there, you know, and stay under the cap? That's a big question. Maybe San Jose would have to retain some salary. Yeah, absolutely. They would have to. Also, I think the Oilers, uh, you know, and we're going to talk about this later in the show, they might have to buy out a player in order 
to make room for it and then rely on some younger guys to fill in gaps on ELCs. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, that's a very big cap hit, and it'll be interesting to see what team is able to find a way to make that work and to make a trade work. And then, you know, can San Jose get value? I mean, you're talking about the first defenseman to go over 100 points since Brian Leach did it back in 1991-92, a player who is at the prime of his career right now, but, you know, he's over 30. How much longer does he give you that elite level play? Well, that's the other question. You know, was this past season, you know, a a trend or was it just, you know, a a flash in the pan, right? Is he going to go back to sort of having those injury issues? Like what is going to happen next season? And it's an important question to ask before any team takes that on. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll certainly keep an eye on it right here on the Locked On NHL podcast. Also, the New Jersey Devils, busy. They signed Jesper Bratt, who was a restricted free agent. He now signs an eight-year deal with an annual cap hit of $7.875 million. Uh, He is now the third highest paid Devils player behind Dougie Hamilton and Jack Hughes. Your thought about Bratt re-signing with the Devils? Yeah, you had to know that Bratt was going to get the full eight-year deal, right? And so... You know, I, I think that's a, a pretty decent AAV there for the Devils. I think it's a good deal. Um, you know, of course, there's the $63 million contract tie-in to his jersey number, which I always think is cheesy. But, you know, if that's what makes you happy, go for it, <laughs> NHL players. But I, I do think that, um, you know, he has proven that he's a huge part of this Devils team that is going places. And I I think next year is going to be really critical for this team and to have Brat locked up like this along with, you know, the other core pieces of of their team right now, I think just bodes well for the the franchise overall. Um, There's still the Timo Meyer situation to deal with, but uh, I think as far as Brat goes, I I think that was a a really good contract. Yeah. I, I think it was a very good move and I like where the devils are right now yeah and you know they they are a young talented up-and-coming team they got a taste of the playoffs this year and you know it just looks like they are on the verge of something pretty big absolutely now again we do have that team Meyer situation so that contract is is going to arbitration uh because he's a a pending RFA and they wanted to retain his rights. And that was the only way to do it in this situation. And so I think that, you know, it gives them a little bit more time to figure things out and, and figure out what they want to do uh, moving forward in terms of the qualifying offer uh, deadline, which is June 30th. So this is sort of a stay tuned situation, but given the contract that Brad just got, obviously I think Timo Meyer is going to want to be considered part of that core as well and will command, you know, I think maybe not quite as much, but pretty close, I would say. Yeah, I would think he'll be uh, in the neighborhood if he doesn't mm-hmm. quite match it. Another trend we're seeing around the league is teams hiring former star players to their front office. Jerome McGinley joining the Flames front office now is the latest. Your thoughts on this trend? 
Yeah, it is interesting. You know, of course, uh, as the host of Lockdown Flyers, this is uh, par for the course. Uh, you know, the Flyers have four former plier, Flyers players in the management group right now, um, having hired Patrick Sharp, um, who, of course, is more known for his time with the Blackhawks, but was a Flyers draft pick and played in the organization early in his career. Um, and then uh, John LeClaire, part of the Legion of Doom, is back with the organization as a special advisor as well. And I think, you know, this whole special advisor role is something we're seeing more and more of in the league and bringing back former players to do it. Um, I, I think, you know, could be a good thing, could be a great thing, uh, could also be a PR thing in terms of having these these guys available, not only to help with player development, uh, because, you know, they're closer to have uh, played the game. And so they're kind of familiar with what guys need to do to, to make some significant progress in their development, but also, you know, be around for, you know, PR and public facing opportunities. I, I, I think it's, the, the team see it as a win-win. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, in the past they used to like the Blackhawks used to have some of their former hall of famers on as, uh, you know, amb- ambassadors. That was what they did. So that was just a pure right. PR kind of a thing. This adds another dimension to it. Hopefully if these, if some of these former players and some of them definitely will, you know, be very active in the front office and, uh, and the PR Part of it is sort of built right in, so that certainly does work. We have got a lot more to get to on today's show. Coming up next, Erica Ayala joins us with our women's hockey spotlight. But first, I wanted to talk to everybody about Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the most comfortable athletic shorts out there, and they make you look good. They look so good, in fact, that you can not just wear them when you're working out, but really take, go out on the town and go wherever you need to go. And, you know, I, I am a stickler for comfort. I'm not going to wear clothes that are not comfortable. And Bird Dogs athletic shorts are extremely comfortable and they give you excellent support. So clearly uh, this is, is a good value and it is super, super comfortable. You can go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL. You'll get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your offer. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL to get your free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Hey there, hockey fans. Erica L. Ayala here bringing you another Women's Hockey Spotlight. And, of course, free agency abound for the Premier Hockey Federation. We talked about some of the big signings, and the Connecticut Whale did it once again. The Connecticut Whale announced that they signed Sandra Abstreeter. She was a member of the German national team, and also played at Providence College. She signed a one-year deal. Uh, Head coach Colton Orr saying the pod, the Connecticut whale, is excited to announce the signing of Sandra Abstreiter. Her impressive ability to read the game and make critical saves in high-pressure situations is a testament to her skill and dedication to the sport. At 6'1", her size and athleticism bring a commanding presence to our team, and we're confident that her experience playing for the German national team and her leadership will be invaluable 
to our success. So another player coming straight from the NCAA, and we're also starting to see that international flavor really come through for the Premier Hockey Federation. Last season, she had a 1.88 goals against average. She totaled 759 saves through 33 starts in net, and that was also with six shutouts for Providence. And I've seen Abstreeter. I called one of her games when I was working a Hockey East game and have seen her, of course, at the IIHF tournament. And good frame, good goalie. And she will be part of the new tandem in Connecticut with, of course, Emma Soderberg, who we talked about on the last Women's Hockey Spotlight. I had a chance to sit down with Emma. Here are a few of the reasons why she's coming to play for the Connecticut Whale and why she felt confident in signing for two seasons. Well, obviously like a little similar to how it's been in the NCAA. I've enjoyed playing at a smaller rink at home in Sweden. Europe is more common with the Olympic size sheets. Mm -hmm. And I think the smaller size rink has like pushed me to this pace. And I think that has helped me like on the international level too. Like when we play like, Canada, US, like, because that's their pace of hockey. And it's like, very beneficial to be in that environment. And I also like with Connecticut, how they want to focus not just on like team practices, they want to focus on like, still skills development. So it could be goalie practice, it can be player specific. So I think they're like putting down the time and like, no, you need like, yeah, they're providing a lot of practice opportunities learning more and more about it is like what made me think that like this is going to be the good place for me to be I felt like secure enough in what I learned about the organizations to want to be like that's why I felt like I could sign for two years because I was like I'm confident enough that they were doing the right thing and that this will be a good place for me and it's also nice for me on a personal level just to know what I'm doing for a while so it's not like a couple more months and then I was like oh what I'm doing next year like now I can like fully commit myself to something and like focus on it for a longer period of time as well and two-year deals are becoming more popular now that there is that 1.5 million salary cap per team in the Premier Hockey Federation entering season nine. And one of those players that will return to the Toronto Six is defender Katie Tabin. She signed a two-year contract and will be making 110 AAV. And I got to also speak to Katie Tabin, and she told a really interesting story about the Isabel Cup and how she was able to finagle a little bit of extra time with the championship trophy. Back April 21st, around there. So that's my birthday, um, and no one had the cup, so I just brought it home to Winnipeg uh, <laughs> for the weekend. So that was a lot of fun. I brought it um, to my old high school. Um, I actually brought it to Sammy Joe, our president's parents' house, because they're from here. So that was super cool. And then uh, technically that didn't count as my time with the cup, which I'm really happy for. So I'm having a cup party with all friends and family in July, um, which I'm super happy about just because when I had it, I had it for such a short period of time. I didn't get to, you know, show everyone um, who I wanted to. So It'll be super cool being able to show old teammates, coaches, friends, and family, um, and just kind of thank them 
for where I've, you know, gone through my whole hockey career. I have a lot of people that I'm uh, super grateful for. That's amazing. So you found a little loophole. So you get a little extended stay with the Cubs. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Birthdays don't count. So we see the Connecticut Whale, Toronto Six, really picking up steam and momentum. Uh, the the Buffalo Buttes and the Minnesota Whitecaps have still yet to name their head coaches, but we have seen them sign some players. Patty Marshall re-signed, as well as Denisa Krishova re-signed with the Minnesota Whitecaps. And we saw, again, an infusion of talent from abroad with the Buffalo Buttes, and they signed Danish goaltender, and they signed Danish Olympian Amelie Anderson. Now, she is a defender on the blue line. She comes from the University of Maine. And uh, this is what Nate Oliver, the general manager of the Buttes, had to say about the signing. Amelie is a very rugged defender. As nice as she might be off the ice, she has a sandpapery disposition on it. Amelie comes from a strong hockey pedigree with her father, mother, brothers, uncles, cousins, all having played at a high level, including her brother currently playing in the National Hockey League. Some people are just naturally gifted that way. And I do think there is something to be said for genetics. Aside from that, though, Amelie stands out entirely on, on her own with what she can do on the ice. And we are proud that she is now with Buffalo. For those who don't know her brother is goaltender Frederick Anderson, who plays with the Carolina Hurricanes. So that's just a taste of what we have going on in the Premier Hockey Federation. Before we let you go for this Women's Hockey Spotlight, I do want to give you an update on what's been happening with the PWHPA and their forthcoming league. In an article written by Ian Kennedy for the Hockey News and their Women's Hockey Vertical, um, Ian Kennedy reporting that PWH. PA players were informed via email by their consultant, Gina Hefford, Hockey Hall of Famer Gina Hefford, that, quote, we are at the finish line. Now, I think it's worth noting outside of Ian's reporting that we've heard this a little bit. Uh, we've heard this a time or two before from the PWHPA. And so I think they're getting dangerously close to that kind of hockey league that cried wolf scenario. But either way, from Ian's reporting in an email that was sent on June 11th, um, members were told that, again, they are close to the finish line. This is what Jaina Hefford had to say in that email, quote, we have been conducting arena visits with representatives from the league ownership group in markets in Canada and the U.S. to ensure we are well positioned for the launch. In Ian's reporting, he also mentions that the idea was to announce the league during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Of course, we are days from the final being over. The Golden Knights win their first ever Stanley Cup. So uh, once again, a little bit delayed here, but we're hearing that delayed does not mean denied, at least not for this season. And in the email, Jada Hefford told members to, quote, keep an eye on your inbox for more exciting updates to come soon. So again, no timeline and the timeline has changed again, but we're re hearing reports that the PWHPA, which will be the union, is close to finalizing what would be a league, another professional league 
in North America. Now we mentioned it's a 1.5 million salary cap per team for the PHF in their season nine. So very curious to see what the details regarding pay and also in Kennedy's reporting, he mentioned things like um, medical coverage. So that's what the PWHPA has been fighting for. And so apparently, uh, hopefully, Soon we will see what those details look like and over the years how they were able to move the needle and get to what they believe to be the viable and sustainable product for women's ice hockey. That is our women's hockey spotlight for this Friday. Again, I'm Erica L. Ayala, your host of Locked on Kraken and a broadcaster in the Premier Hockey Federation for the last eight seasons. And I will take you back over to Gil and Rachel. And thanks again to Erica Ayala for our bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight. Always great to have her on the show. We have got a lot more to discuss today. Buyout season is here across the NHL. We'll talk about who some of the candidates are to be bought out of their contracts. That starts today. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be as stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting excited for all the fun you'll have. My favorite part of the Game Time app is that it's great for getting notified about those last-minute tickets, plus you can get that all-important view from your seat. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Also, the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create that account and redeem with the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So it's buyout season. We are past the 48 hours after the Stanley Cup is awarded. It is the buyout window. And, and you know, this is this is a tough time. I mean, the players who are getting bought out certainly can't be happy about it. And uh, I, I know. Uh, yes or no. <laughs> well, that, that's true, too. That's true, too. But. You know, it, it, like for the, from an Islanders perspective, for example, Josh Bailey is the big candidate to be bought out. And while it is certainly time for him to move on, you know, he's been an Islander for more than a decade, a thousand games played. It's a little a little sad to see the potential that the Islanders are going to end his career with the team in, in this fashion. But. I mean, what are your thoughts, Rachel, about the, the buyout session? And then, you know, you, you save a little cap money this year, but a little penalty goes against your cap the following year when you exercise the buyout. Yeah, I think the most important thing with buyouts is to consider where your team is in whatever process they're going through to get to be a Stanley Cup contender and what kind of cap space you're going to need to get there. Because I think, you know, early on, if you want to do those buyouts in order to clear cap space and, and um, you know, make room, uh, I think that it could be a good thing, but then it could also bite you later on when you have those bigger, you know, cap hits. And so if you're trying to time things to be able to clear cap space to sign a different free agent, 
that's maybe that last piece to get you to be a Stanley Cup contender, that's where the timing comes into play. And then you also kind of look at fit, right, in terms of the players that you have that maybe just it's just not the right player for this group at this time. And there's no trade market for them. That's really kind of the option you're stuck with. Yeah. And, and the whole thing is, you know, is there a trade market? Because the, the trade market allows you to get rid of all or more of the salary, or, or at least you agree to a certain amount of the salary. And then there's no penalty on the back end the following year. So yeah, it, it has to be used strategically. And the question is which GMs are able to use it well and which ones don't know how to maximize the use of it or, or misuse it. And unfortunately, there's some of those around this league too. Do you think the Flyers in particular have a buyout candidate this offseason? I think there are several buyout candidates. I think that you know, the the top one right now that I would consider is Tony D'Angelo because uh, the Flyers have him for another year at five million per and he is not producing defensively. And, you know, where the Flyers are basically in year one of a rebuild, the Flyers can afford to have that buyout cap hit for one season uh, and then just move on from there. And I, I think, you know, the way the Flyers are going with their defensive prospects, I think, you know, it just creates another roster space for one of those younger guys to get an NHL slot and, and develop even further. So I think that's a no brainer, but uh, we'll see what the Flyers do. Yeah, should be interesting to see. I mentioned Josh Bailey on the Islanders. One player who I've heard may be a possible buyout candidate, and this was interesting is uh Mikhail Granlund who the Penguins acquired from Nashville at the trade deadline but now you have Kyle Dubas there and he may want to move on from Granlund your thoughts about that yeah I think that is absolutely one of the top contenders for buyout this offseason and you know especially when you look at the savings that they'd get in the next two years which is basically kind of the window that Dubas is looking at with you know, having Sidney Crosby and, you know, that at, and that core, they still want to try and keep them to get, keep the band together for a couple more years. That's it right there. That's your time. And then when they'll be in more of a rebuild mode, I would say, you know, in year three, year four from now, that's when the bigger cap hit will happen and it's not going to be as big a deal. Yeah. That, that changes the equation. Certainly. How about the Boston Bruins? Do you think there's anyone in Boston who may be a buyout candidate as they come off that disappointing playoff performance after the record-setting regular season? Uh, I think that it's definitely possible, but uh, Mike Riley is probably one of the top names that you're going to see there. Um, he's got two more years left on his deal and, you know, that would save them about 2.6 million on the cap in year one. And again, the Bruins are on the precipice, right? I mean, they were the Stanley cup favorites going into the, the playoffs. And so taking more of a cap hit in year two is less of a big deal, I think. And, and they'll have more room then to, to work with. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm looking at Toronto, and I've heard Matt Murray as a name being mentioned as a possible buyout. And, you know, the key issue with Murray is always his health. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the risk there is just um, might be too much for them at this point. 
Yeah, uh, and to free up a little cap space to, again, try to find that, find a way over the hump. They finally win a playoff series, but obviously they want more than that. In Toronto, it's been way too long for them uh, since then. Then there's the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I, I look at that team. They are in sort of a break-it-down mode this offseason, and Blake Wheeler is a name that has been bandied about as a possible buyout candidate. Yeah, I would not be surprised there. I think, you know, Winnipeg is definitely looking to move on in a lot of ways. And, you know, there's rumors about what's happening with Connor Hellerbuck as well. And so buying out like a, a more aging veteran like Blake Wheeler uh, is not out of the realm of possibility. And then Arizona, I mean, we never know what that franchise is going to do. Uh, but uh, maybe Zach Cassian being uh, possibly a buyout candidate there? Uh, could be. Uh, I, I don't really understand why Zach Cassian is still in the league, I got to say. <laughs> I mean, no shade, no shade. But I just feel like, you know, we have gone through the Zach Cassian experiment and it just doesn't work. <laughs> It has not worked uh, thus far, and yeah, it, it seems to be uh, continuing. How about the Stanley Cup champions, the the Vegas Golden Knights? Uh, you know, they they are in a bit of a cap crunch. We know there's going to be a lot of changes in Vegas. Who do you think is the big buyout candidate there? You know, I'm not entirely sure. It could honestly be anybody. They went through so much cap gymnastics to get the Stanley Cup. And now that they have it, they might as well just like clear the decks and, and start over, right? In terms of the cap at any rate. Of course, they're going to want to try and stay competitive. But uh, I think that, you know, there's a, a few different options there for them as well. No question. And then, you know, the San Jose Sharks, they're in a rebuild. So it's not like uh, their cap situation is as urgent. But one name I have heard bandied about is Pickles, Mark Edward Vlasic. And yeah. again, there's a guy who's been with the Sharks for so long. Uh, it would sort of be uh, an anticlimactic way for his Sharks career to end if they go that route. Yeah, I think uh, anticlimactic and sharks in the same sentence actually makes sense <laughs> based on experience with them. Yeah, lately, at least it does. Well, look, certainly the buyout window is uh, a very interesting time, and we will keep track of all of that throughout the offseason. Make sure you uh, stay with us here on Locked On NHL, and we will be following the buyouts throughout the next few weeks because uh, it's certainly going to be a busy time. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. And every dayers, don't forget, check out our feed both uh, on YouTube and on wherever you get your podcasts because we will have our mock draft coming up later this week as the NHL draft gets closer. And uh, Rachel, I know you're looking forward to that as well. Oh, absolutely. Flyers have two picks in the first round. Um, and I think you're going to be surprised by what some of the local hosts uh, decided to do with their team's picks in the first round in our mock draft. It certainly was an interesting, uh, an interesting exercise. A lot of surprise picks on the mock draft. So definitely check that one out. I want to thank Erica Ayala again 
for joining us for the bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. And thank you so much for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.